0: Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast. A podcast about comedy. Comedy in a nutshell. It couldn't be simpler. What does comedy mean to the people who are at its withered heart? The only way to find out is to ask them and hope they don't all lie. Well, not too much anyway. My guest on this episode is a stand-up comedian whose first solo appearance at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2011 was the smash hit phenomenon Ten Films with My Dad. And this year, he's taking his 10th solo show to the Edinburgh Fringe, stand-up comedian and genuinely nice guy, Aidan Goatley.
1: Hello, sir. Hello. How have you been? I've been okay. I've been okay. Um, I've been in the wilds of the north, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm back up in Middlesbrough. I had my brief sojourn into the lovely south of Hastings and civilization and, <laughs> and polite conversation and no one threatening me, me. Uh, been lovely and then then i came back here <laughs> how you doing you all right
0: oh yeah so good really good i'm having such a good time getting to talk to people like your good self which is fantastic
1: oh you you smooth talking bastard you
0: <laughs> um i've really enjoyed our conversation actually um at hastings it was really nice
1: well it, it it sounds like you've just got a hell of a life going for you now generally you know I, mean? I love the fact that you just thought, no, I, i'm gonna do this i, I love it you know yeah. why not I raise my coffee to you, sir, and salute you, sir. Lucci, sir. <laughs> Cheers. Obviously, it's not coffee; um, it's um, it's vodka. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm just going to try and remain professional. That's probably I mean. one of us has to. I, mean, come <laughs> on.
0: I was delighted to witness the work in progress at Hastings of your new show, Tenacious. This is your tenth Edinburgh show, is that right?
1: It is, yes. Yeah, it's my tenth show. Um, um, hence, I thought clever title, um, Tenacious Show. Um, yeah, tenth show Edinburgh. Uh, just so glad to be going back. Really, um, for me, growing up, um, always wanting to be a stand-up comedian, Edinburgh was the place. You know, it's yeah. it's it's the Wembley Stadium. You know, it's the it's the place to go. And um, you know, there's always that great thing about well, when when you, you're not a comedian, people go, "Oh, you do Edinburgh? Oh, you must be good." And then secretly, you know, no, it's, I've got a credit card. Um, you know, that's all <laughs> it takes. Uh, really, you know, most theatres venues up there like, yeah, pay us, we we'll be fine. And, um, so yeah, yeah, really, thank you. Man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was absolutely glorious that day in Hastings. Mm-hmm. It went really well. One of those ones you want to, you want to pocket. Audience were really good. They were really up for it. Um, so yeah, they did a great job down there at that, uh, Chris and Jake running Hastings Fringe. I'm not, you know, they've already said I can't come back, so I'm not trying to ask it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's good.
0: No, they're a great team. Good, uh, organizers and they're great blokes well, as well so yeah
1: i'm sure you're fine when you've got people who uh care about the comedy care about how it works yeah and the effort in over the time the audience develop as well so the audiences get to know oh there's this stuff on and it's not just like being on you know sometimes you get some places where uh they think it's like watching tv you know and they just have a nice chat yeah. you no know, it, it is like a chat but it's a one-way thing you know
0: yeah now that you're a stand-up comedian, way back when before stand-up comedy became, you know, your vocation, what oh. what was what was comedy to you? What uh, what did it mean to you? And how did you make the change into being part of the industry?
1: Well, I, I growing up, it, for me, it was always comedy. It was always the thing. I, I just I loved it. I loved watching uh, Lenny Henry uh, when I was a kid. Um, you know, was the the, the 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 top guy. You know, he was just hilarious. He did lots of kids did tis Was and And all these things and but the thing that that really was the absolute oh my god took it beyond that was uh watching billy Connolly's an audience with yes yeah i'm sure you've seen um just phenomenal that was the first time we'd ever seen uh, a comedian do like a whole hour um and it was an hour and a half i think the original version but um just doing that full version like wow this isn't just five minutes here and there and Someone doing David Bellamy impersonations, uh, like <laughs> Olivia, and um, so I just thought, oh, and I, I basically started collecting all these videos, and I would rehearse them. Uh, you know, like when I'm sure some kid, not you, know, you, you, you have a tennis racket and you pretend that you're playing the guitar and stuff. Yeah. For me, no, I, I would stand there with a hairbrush, going, "Oh, I'm doing a really awful Billy Conley impersonation." Um, so, so for me, that was as a kid, you know, as a teenager, that was what I loved doing. You know. And then um I never really thought about it as something I could do. Mm-hmm. And then I did my first I got asked, it was always something I kind of talked about, like, oh, I wouldn't mind doing it.
2: Yeah. And
1: when I was at uni, and I went to uni ridiculously late. I've done everything ridiculously late in my life. Um I was uh I was tattooed before I had sex, you know. Uh <laughs> it was yeah, everything's just gone asked about face and uh, I um I went to uni when I was 26. And while I was there, they would do There was one night, there was a charity night on, they booked two professional comedians, uh, one of who I've stayed in touch with, a guy called Mike Haley. And um and they were great, but they needed an MC and they said, Oh, you could do this, Aiden. And I was like, oh, okay. And and it was awful. It was so bad. Um the, the, the venue was wrong, um, I was wrong. Um you know, I'd never done it before. I'd I'd sat there just terrified. I'd written all this stuff preparing for people to heckle me and no one heckled me. I was just silence and I had to pretend it was awful. And I remember during during the commercial break well, during the commercial break, during the break. <laughs> commercial break, where did that come from? That, that was <laughs> that was ego trying to step in there, wasn't it? Um d- during during the break, I remember sitting in the cubicle in the t- toilet. So I wasn't, you know, I had my trousers up still, but I was just I was so terrible. I was so like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? And two guys came in and they were obviously having a chat around the week. And one guy goes, oh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and the other guy goes, yeah, yeah. But the guy with the beard is shit. <laughs> um, so I, I was so put off by that. I didn't go anywhere near it for 10 years. Wow. Um, okay. I just thought, no, that's it. I have done it. I just didn't have the confidence to yeah. get on, on stage. And then I kind of pretty much buried everything. I mean, at uni I did script writing, but I wasn't really writing anything. I wasn't really doing anything, and I ended up working in retail management. And I ended up as a manager of a garden centre. And um... me too. <laughs> oh, really? No, <laughs> yeah. well, were you were you with any any brand, or were you like a, a little independent? What, what were you? It was um, you know?
0: it was uh, home based garden centres when they went into it properly. Yeah.
1: Oh right, no, I I was well, I started with an independent. I got hired by um there was a guy uh whose daughter I went to uni with hmm. and he had a huge independent garden center. It was like hundred and twenty thousand square feet. Yeah. There was like made like eight million a year, it was huge. And they they only had about eighty staff. Yeah. And uh he needed a Patsy. I didn't know this, but his <laughs> general manager um, who has been there for 30-odd years, was retiring. But eventually he was going to end up selling the land to um, to Asda. And okay. uh, and he just needed someone to hold the fort. So uh, his daughter said, well, why didn't you hire Aiden? Aiden's got a brain. <laughs> I, I had this interview with him, and I said, this is insane. You know, I know nothing. I still, to this day, I know nothing about plants. Um <laughs> You Know if they're green, they're okay. You know, that's it, you know. And um, and he hired me because he just needed someone, (laughs) and uh, all of a sudden, there I am, manager of this garden center. You know, and I was doing about 70 hours a week, driving my wife insane. And uh, one day we're having dinner, Sunday, I had a rare day off, and on a Sunday, long cut a long story short, um, a friend of mine had produced this uh. Pamphlet, this sort of what song guide for the comedian and inside was the jen edwards course yes so i did uh, so i signed up for it and and that was it changed my life completely and um that gave me the confidence to actually sort of get on stage and and do stuff and then yeah it just went from there it?
0: yeah yeah a lot of comedians seem to talk about doing a, a comedy course as being hmm. I think what you said there is about being a confidence booster. Do you, do you find that you took other lessons from it, or is that the main, that's the most important part for you?
1: No, I mean, confidence, yeah, absolutely to begin with. But uh-huh. what it did teach me was structure and and, and putting together a structured joke. It's, it's one of the things that Jill does is, is, is like, you know, you, you can say whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. but you need to know what you're saying and how you're going to say it. And also, so it's not restricting, you say, but it's like there was a, there's lots of little valuable lessons that she teaches. I mean, one which always stuck with me is that uh, you're not. Well, she doesn't say it like this, but I, this is my phraseology of it: is that you're not Frankie Boyle. <laughs> but but you, a lot of young people, you know, young comedians think that they're, yeah. they're Frankie straight away, and the problem is, is that Frankie Boyle can go and be Frankie Boyle. Because if you're an audience watching of Ball, you know that he's going to take you to certain stages, certain places, and you know that he has the ability to keep it in a certain area and then bring you safely back. Yeah. Whereas if you've got someone who's really Nobody, who stands on stage and goes, oh, you're right, and says, and everything about you, like, whoa, who the hell is this guy? Do you know what I mean? There's there's that yeah. balance. So it's, it's, it, it gives you that confidence to say, you do it this way put together this stuff and then build on it from there hmm. if that makes sense and then then you can actually make something of it and um and so yeah so structure things and confidence really to be able to do it and yeah. um yeah, best thing I ever did really.
0: so you'll oh. i would describe your style uh if you'll permit me as uh storytelling yep. more than like a observational but you, but I think when we, when we were talking before, it's, you, it seemed to me that you were saying um, the stories just happened to you, <laughs> and yeah. you're just relating what happened, verbatim almost. Did you say that's the sort of did that did comedy happen to you, or did you set out to be that style of, to start with? Well, I think
1: if, if, if you were to boil it down, and I don't want to sound any this is going to I'm trying to phrase this sentence without sounding like a complete prick, but <laughs> I think if you if you if you watch my stuff, you can see the influence of Billy Comedy because Billy will tell a story. Billy, sorry, first name. <laughs> right. uh, Mr. Connolly, uh, will <laughs> sir, Connolly, uh, will. um you know, he'll take you on a bit. He makes it about himself. You know, it's stuff he's heard, stories he's heard. And so, I think that he can say certain things because it's all related to him. Yeah. So, he's, he's never punching down. He's never, you know, he's, he's punching, he's taking it on himself. Yeah. And, I, for me, that kind of raconteur being able to tell a good story, I I I, I like that type of comedy, yeah, um, because it's it gives it a theme, gives it a structure,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and sort of slight egotism as well um, is is uh, you know I get to talk about me for an hour and this is thing, but but as you said, as I said to you, things happen, yeah. and you sort of you, you may be angry, you know, maybe annoying, maybe oh, strange stuff will happen. But then you sort of think, hang on a second, how can I, how can I turn that into reality? How can I turn that into a show? Sometimes things will just happen word for word, yeah. um, and you just go, oh, that's great. You know, um, briefly just demonstrate that. I, I did it in the show, the bit. Um, I had a conversation. I had a, a brief during lockdown uh, when we came moved up here to Middlesbrough. I had a, a job for three weeks in a dementia care home. And everyone was going, why did you move to Middlesbrough? It's so awful here. (laughs) And you're sort of like, well, no, sure, it's not that bad. You know, everyone's going, no, it's terrible. Don't ever stay here. And I was going, yeah, it is bad. And then one woman said, and this is word for word, just said, oh, you know, you're just living in the wrong part of town. You should live near me. And before I could reply to her, the woman sat next to her, just went, here, wasn't a woman murdered and dumped in a wheelie bin near you? And then before I could even respond to that, the first one said, no, that was three roads down. You know, my place is fine. And you, you hear stuff like that. And then if you put it into the context of, you know, fish out of water, there's me from Brighton, you know, now in the wilds of Teesside yeah. and trying to blend in and, you know, this voice doesn't work, you know, all these kind of combination things. And so for me, I think, you know, that, that, storytelling side of things is that the things that make it stand up is because it's stories about me yeah and i'm trying to make them funny um or they are just funny you know it's, it's how you spin on it really yeah um uh but there is some i do do some regular i don't know i've, I've people have used to be oh you, you don't really do stand up and i'm like well it is because it's just basically telling stories about myself that are funny you know yeah. i but, yeah, I, I suppose it is a more storytelling kind of thing. Yeah. To answer that question. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's got a kind of, um, it's got a kind of sweetness and a gentleness to it as well that you're sort of, you're drawn in because you really want to hear what you have to say next.
1: Thank you. Um, I th- yeah, I, I mean, that's a conscious decision as well mm. because I'm constantly aware of the fact that no one knows who the fuck I am. <laughs> I'm not. Conf- I don't know if it's a confidence thing or whether it's what I'm comfortable with. But I, I've, I've got no problem with people swearing. I swear like a trooper. I've got no problem with with comedy that's contentious because, you know, if it's funny, it's funny. Um, but it's not my bag. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not
2: yeah. on
1: stage. I don't feel comfortable doing it. Right. Um, so I kind of – I'll tell a story that will – you know, I'll edge stuff and there's a bit, for example, and this isn't remotely controversial. <laughs> but, um, I did a show called The Vicar's Husband because uh, for a while my wife was training to become vicar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh I did this line about my wife and the vicar trying to get me to go indoors to join me in the church. Mm-hmm. And um the, the vicar saying all these things, but my wife says, or oh, steak is we having a bacon sandwich afterwards. <laughs> and when I say that and then the line I goes, all you know. <laughs> and then I say, because that's the thing that's gonna draw you into religion, isn't it? Bacon sandwich. <laughs> and then I leave doors, and then I say, it's not gonna work with all faiths though, is it? Right. <laughs> now now all, all that is is just referencing the fact that uh, jews and muslims don't eat pork yeah? yeah yeah but you'd be amazed the reaction from people who don't know better just sort of going oh, oh, you can, is, or or the audience or is he pushing the boundaries or you know yeah. no yeah. i'm just talking about bacon, <laughs> you know um but it's, it's I, I think people want some people want contra, contra, I, I don't do controversy. I do I do nice stuff, nice stories that have a positive ending. Uh, and I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, I kind of my first show uh, was called Ten Films with My Dad, and and that was a big it was a big hit. Yeah, and um, that was all about me and my dad not watching films and finally getting some kind of relationship because of the films and two things stuck out on my mind that first year i did it yeah i think by the second night i was doing the show and i had three huge guys in from glasgow i know because i was doing banter so i knew three, and they were they were well like i am now bald and just big right <laughs> and they were, they gave me a bit of crap at the beginning and i kind of put me you know give a banter and they liked that yeah and i did this did the show and at the end the three of them as we were leaving people I, I always like to say goodbye to people saying thank you for coming you know yeah and I'm going to have a two guys went like that. The third guy just came up to me and went, Good show. <laughs> and then just he was he was in pieces, you know. And then and then the really amazing thing happened was is that I think about the second week, second or third week, this lady joined uh she was at the back with her with her husband. No, with our father, sorry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she came up to me and and she said, um, we lost our mum six months ago. And tonight's the first night i would heard my dad laugh. Oh,
2: wow.
1: And thank you. And he's like, <laughs> 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 wow, you know. Yeah. And I think, and the show, I did the show f- over five years. I did it more than I should have done. Um, but I did it, I've done it over 500. They did it 16 different countries I ended up doing in. Um, it's a good show, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and I think if you can... If you can hit people in the right way and, you know, take them on a journey and give them a happy... Basically, I like making people cry. (laughs) If if, if at least two or three people are in tears at the end of it, I feel like I've failed. Yeah. You know? Uh,
0: Well, I saw the show, um, Ten Films with my dad. Uh, One of the iterations of it in, I think it was 2017.
1: Got a little card here. Oh, my God.
0: Remember that? here it says uh it's a quote it says the five star show and chortle called it proper comic gold it says quoted on the card here
1: yeah uh, i think that uh, in, in all subjects of honesty i think that that proper comic gold chortle review is actually from another show but i'll put <laughs> it on there anyway well
0: it applies so, to you nonetheless
1: you, you are very kind I, I think i think you're allowed to do that when it comes yeah. to, if it's a good review you could just
0: yeah, I mean, I, I always take those. Honestly, it's a great phrase, but I do kind of take them with a the pitch salt sometimes because if you said it's hilarious and I just assume the quote was this guy is the furthest thing from hilarious and they just cut that word.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my favourite and I've started doing it now is that um, because I, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> um, I, I If I find funny bits or reviews, um, my favourite one for 10 films and uh, when I, I'm going to do the director's cut next year is my favourite review I've ever had was from The List, yeah. which is a bit pompous when it comes to reviews. And uh, they gave it three... No, I think they gave it two or three stars. I can't remember. And the thing that stuck out from it was uh, it this it, it was something like, this show, uh, or However Good, does not stand out from the other father-based crowd, uh, shows because, and this is the record, his father isn't even dead. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> And I was I, I remember I phoned up my dad and I said, look, is there any chance you could pop your clogs? Because this could get me an extra star, you know. <laughs> uh, let's add some content here, Dad, you know, come on. Yeah. So when I'm doing, when I'm doing the, I've, I've already, I'm so sad, I've already created the poster for next year. <laughs> um, and in the quotes, I've got the, you know, whatever. And the, the bottom one is, his father isn't even dead, the list. I was
0: about to say, um, that's straight for the poster, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> his father's not I mean, dead, Absolutely. But my favourite quote that I found for this year and I found, and it was in a positive review um, and it said imagine Im- imagine that Mr. Tumble has stolen the voice of Richard Attenborough <laughs> <laughs> and and added a bit of Julian Clary-Campness. Like, oh, that's, that's me. I thought that's great. I'll have that. That's great. So that's on the flyer now.
0: Oh my God, that's incredible. So just on the subject of 10 films with my dad, then, and you said, that, Oh, well, you know, I'm not well known. Well, you, as you say, you toured all these countries with that show for a number of years. So it must have been a bit of a phenomenon to have such a hit on your hands.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it was, when I say I'm not known, I mean, obviously, in certain, I, I think that I'm not quite cult. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's another poster. No. <laughs> I mean, not quite I'm cult. Sort of,
1: yeah, that's another show. That's a, is that a typo? Is that a typo? <laughs> um, I think, um, I think the, the, in Edinburgh, I've been in something, oh, sometimes we go, I've, tr- I've tried to get bookings and places and clubs and stuff like that. People go, oh, you're an Edinburgh, Edinburgh artist, aren't you? Um, and you're like, no, I'm a comedian. I can I can come and do clubs. Yeah. And they go, yeah, but you do big stories. I go, yeah, but I can take the jokes that are in those stories and I can craft that into a pretty good 20 minutes and people will laugh. Yeah. They will enjoy themselves, you know. And oh uh, well, well, you know, and so I just don't get bookings and stuff. It's it's bizarre. So I think also as well, there's where is where is the end game for me? What do you gather as being successful as a comedian? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's difficult because you look at what other people are doing, and you can't everyone does, and it doesn't matter what field you're in, there's always someone who who you think, should I be there with that? What am I at their level? Am I doing you know what I mean? Yeah. And so in comedy as well, because it's so spread out, there's so many different... I mean, there's thousands of comedians and hundreds of which are out there gigging every night and are hugely successful and popular in clubs. Mm-hmm. No one necessarily knows who the hell they are, but, you know, you do if you know comedy. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the ones who are all on TV. And obviously, they're the ones that you do get... And I think when you're kind of in the game, you're always judged by other people, what people know. Yes. So if... You know, you, you tell people you're a comedian. Um, it used to be that you'll get told a joke. Yep. You know, that used to be the stereotype. Oh, you could use this. And I've had that happen a lot as well. Um, and you just nod and go, okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, you clearly never see my stuff. Um, <laughs> but the moment, I decided to do a Jim Davidson tribute act. Oh, well. You know, <laughs> and, um, and uh, then, but you get, uh, oh, wh- have you gigged with this person? is is there as well Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, but the most common thing i've ever had is would i have seen you on tv
2: right
1: now that is kind of a a loaded question as in well, if you had would you remember me you know (laughs) do i need to you know are you asking you just saying hang on a second are you good enough to be on tv that is that is kind of thing so well the only tv appearance i've ever made on really was was on songs of praise (laughs) Um, because uh, when when I did the Vicar's Husband show, Songs of Praise wanted to do a section on Vicar's Husband. So, as the producer told me, they just tucked in Vicar's Husband, and up my name popped with my show. And they said, "Well, let's go and interview this guy and his wife." You know, and uh, it was amazing. I had the, the 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 Songs of Praise film crew plus a JB from JLS in our garden. And at one point, JB from JLS looks at my wife and says. Is there anything we can do about saving Aiden from the dark side? <laughs> so somewhere in the BBC archive, there is me telling Jake B to fuck off. <laughs> so this isn't Star Wars, dude. <laughs> you <know>? um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so however, however, when that happened, of course, as soon as it was broadcast on the poster now, as seen on BBC One. There
2: you go. <laughs>
1: So, you know, people go, really, would, would I have seen you on TV? So now I can legitimately say to people, oh, you might have done. Yeah,
2: you know. yeah
0: why not? I've been on TV three times. It was the news every time, but it's, you know, it's <laughs> fine. It's
1: definitely a great home-based massacre of, um... yeah, I thought you looked familiar. yeah.
0: Just still on 10 Films, when you are touring on an international level, as you were with that, do you find, do you find, um, I mean, even in Britain, do you find cultural differences uh, impact the way your comedy is received?
1: It's, you, you do know, you do feel a difference when you're in different places. Mm. Um, and, but I, I think what, what I always try and do is because I found, because I sound, I've been told I sound a bit posh um, and uh, <laughs> that may or may not, I don't know, it's just my voice, you know, but I'm always <laughs> conscious of, of just saying, because, I don't want to sound judgmental. I don't want to sound snobby about any place or anything like that. So I'm always positive about wherever I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whenever you gig anywhere, I think it's important to do a little bit about where you are and just find a little bit out about somewhere local, you know. Um, And you can get some great lines. I remember once I did a gig, first time I ever did a gig in Chichester.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And um, I said to the guy, I said, where's rough around here? (laughs) And the guy just went, hmm. Portsmouth. which <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was just a brilliant line, you know. And then um, once I was in, in New Haven, which is between Brighton and, and Eastbourne, it's quite run down. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh, what's in New Haven? I've never been here before. And the person I asked just said, Poverty. Oh, so, you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, it's about kind of a change. So I don't think it matters where you go.
2: Yeah.
1: I think it matters on, on how you present yourself. And how you present what you're doing i'm always keeping the back of my head that if people have come and see me that's lovely but they've come to see me primarily because of the show description yeah so whatever the show is about that's the thing so 10 films um i did i don't think you saw i think i didn't use a screen when you saw it no um but i used to in the biggest shows when i was touring out i did a, it was a for 245 minutes with screen and so I had a big Star Wars opening oh, right. yeah. so it, you had this scroll, and it would just sort of say this is what the show is about <laughs> so it literally tells people you know we're going to talk about films it's okay it's not an hour of therapy it's going to be all right you know what I mean so that instantly lets people know what's going on yeah in the new show I'll do the same kind of thing so I'll, I'll do a little bit of stuff and so I think, I mean, I think I talked to, when I was in Hastings, mm-hmm. I think I, I talked to the audience a little bit and sort of went, oh, this is lovely. And there was that backdrop that they put up that looked like someone's duvet cover.
0: Yes. <laughs> the little seagulls on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, it was really, I thought in front of someone's duvet cover before. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's, it kind of instantly, if you can make people giggle in the beginning, just even a little laugh. They go, oh, okay, we're going to be all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then then they relax and then, Literally, you tell them what you're going to do. This is what this show is about, and then you just launch into it. Um, and then it doesn't matter where you are. Um, and I mean, most of the play. I mean, I did I, I did Dubai, yep. and um, that was absolutely fine. That was great. You know, there was I did a reference about uh, the traffic in Dubai. It's just awful. Yeah. Um, I did I did the show in I did the show in in Istanbul. Um, one of my favourite times doing it. I did it in. Uh, one night I did it at the Hard Rock Cafe, which <laughs> sounds super glamorous, doesn't it? In East <laughs> uh, on the Western side. And then the next night I did the show on the Eastern side. So I did it over two continents. Right. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, and yeah. So it's just, you just, just do the same thing. We just switch the jokes around to whatever. So <laughs> I think if you just relate to where you are,
2: yeah.
1: Try and make yourself as relatable as possible. And then, Maybe that's an easy way out, but my material is not super strong, as in poof, go for the jugular kind of swear at people and you know rip them apart. Mm. Um, I think once people realise that, because sometimes you do get people to go, "Oh, you're going to take the piss out of me?" <laughs> I, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, come on, mate, well, mate Barry, you want to go on, You can, you can rip them apart, can you? Rip them apart? Oh, man. No.
0: yeah yeah i don't like that sort of thing at all no
1: if you know no that's not what i'm here for this is this is i'm doing a show um i'll talk to you i'm not gonna take why would you why would you be why would you what what kind of person are you that you want to be insulted
2: yeah
1: um you know there are niche websites that will take care of that for you
0: (laughs) So, from all your experience, have you uh, developed for yourself any particular outlooks or philosophies on how you know what what comedy how what comedy does for you or what how it works for you the right and wrong thing to do?
1: Well, as in how it makes me feel uh, at certain times, or well,
0: more sort of. I mean, it could be anything like. Um, well, I know I made that mistake once. Don't ever do that again. Or. You know, if you do this, like awesome. for the example you just gave, in fact, is is a is one where you know, just putting everyone at their ease from the outset might be considered a philosophy for how you would operate a show.
1: Oh yeah, there, there's I see what you mean. There's 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 a few little tricks. That, I mean, the, the the balance of getting the audience interaction right. Right. Because sometimes you'll get someone who's a bit lively, and it could just be that they're they're not heckling you; mm. they're just enthusiastic. Yeah. And then what you can do is lose the entire audience if you go too harsh on them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, because I'm quite a gentle comedian, as in what I talk about, yeah. um, if I suddenly sort of go, Oi, you, shut up, and I launch in, you know, and hopefully do it wittily,
2: Yeah.
1: I could lose everybody. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a balance. So it's about trying to get it the right thing for the right one. Sometimes you get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can overcorrect. Uh I've misjudged over the years you just pick up say, like when I was doing 10 films, I, I I realized that when I'm talking about stuff, people feel because it's a conversational tone, mm-hmm. people really believe it's a conversation and they start chatting it So they'll talk about the film. So uh I'll be talking about things and they go, have you seen that? I don't know. And they'll start thinking about the film. Mm-hmm. Now for me I'm on stage. I'm can all I can see is that. Yeah. And you can just see that going on there. So you don't see the 50 other people who are all smiling at you completely unaware that they're talking. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you give them a bit of time to finish that part of the conversation so they rejoin you? Or do you try and do a bit of banter? Yeah. And hopefully do it in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this thing that I developed where I and I'll do it a lot. And I think I did it in Hastings where they were having a bit of a chat and I kind of, because it wasn't it was, it was wasn't a huge, you know what I mean? There's yeah. only 20 people there. So if there's like four people out of that, that's quite a big chunk of people who are not, in. you know, is it going to ruin it for other people? Yeah. So I did this thing where I was going, hi guys, listen, sorry. I'm really sorry for disturbing you. <laughs> um, uh, I'm glad I've created an atmosphere where you feel comfortable enough just to chit-chat between yourselves. <laughs> you know, don't. You know, and that's usually, usually enough, yeah. you know? Um I apparently in Edinburgh, uh the last time I was there, I did the uh I did the half-cut cabaret. Have you ever been to that one in
2: Edinburgh?
1: That, no. No. Uh there's uh, a really good magician duo, uh Griffin and Jones, and they run the half-cut cabaret. It's on Sun on the Sunday nights. I only runs for three Sundays. And the idea is, is that everyone's had a drink before they perform. Yeah. And um I never drank before a gig before and just a point of principle, always be sober, right? You know? mm-hmm. And I thought fuck it, I'm going long enough. I can I can anyway. <laughs> so, uh, I I went and I'm not I'm not the type of man, please don't think I am the kind of man who counts how many drinks he's had, you know, oh I dish many you know I'm not that kind of thing. <laughs> but I did count because I don't and I'd had 10 gin and tomics, yeah. um and I was a little bit drunk. <laughs> not not massively, yeah. but <laughs> enough. enough. <laughs> and I remember the, the act on before me uh, was a burlesque act. It was a, this, this quite Rubenesque uh, beauty from Jamaica who who ended up in a, the tiniest of bikinis um, you can imagine. And it's in, in the voodoo rooms in the French Quarter and there's like a steel bar that runs along the, roof, the ceiling. And she grabbed the steel bar, swung her legs up on it and twerped upside down. You know? And I was watching that and I was just thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to follow this. <laughs> you know, it was just how do you do that but it went quite well so they, by the time they invited me back every week so the challenge was to drink more so anyway by the third week um i, I don't remember doing this uh but uh apparently i drank even more gin at the time <laughs> i had stopped in between by the way as well i just point out um and uh i had uh i think i had about 15 gin atonics. i was completely gone and apparently what i did was is there were some people talking and while they wouldn't shut up, so I kept on thinking, So I ended up shouting at them. And in the end, I turned to the audience, I've just been told this, I turned to the audience, I put them all on hold, and I got them all to sing Girl from Ipanema while we were waiting for these people to fuck <laughs> off. So I think I think that's probably the politest way I've ever got rid of an audience before. Um, <laughs> so you yeah. know. I wish I had that on film. It's
2: brilliant.
0: Oh man, I love the sound of that. Well, let's turn to the question that you posed then. How does comedy make you feel? But more importantly, the difference between comedy now from the inside, from the industry, from when you're watching love comedy, if indeed you still do watch comedy.
1: Um, Well, when I'm doing it, when I'm on stage and it's flowing and it's going really well and everything is brilliant. I love it. It's absolutely glorious. And then a little bit afterwards, just for a short period afterwards, people saying I really enjoy it is lovely. Yeah. You know. And then very quickly, you're going to go, right? you know, you, you, you come down after it yeah. and it's like, oh, what's next? Uh, watching it, if, if it's good, if it takes me away from working out the structure or working out where they're taking that joke, or if they take it somewhere I didn't expect, then I'll love it. Yeah. You know, if it's something that is completely, I love Nick Helm. Um, Nick Helm, I saw when I went to Edinburgh. First time I went to Edinburgh was twenty ten, um, and I went to do twenty minutes with two other comics, yeah. and uh, I saw his show uh, "Keep Hold of the Gold," and I yeah. saw it three times because <laughs> it was just like nothing I'd ever seen. So full of energy, so completely whoop, you know out there, and yeah, it was you know just incredible. You know, incredible songs, incredible lyrics, that voice you know yeah. good evening and you're like wow you know and that was like that. in fact it, I think it was the first show I saw in Edinburgh and um, I loved it absolutely loved it so that for me was brilliant because I think if I'm watching stuff it's it's impossible for me to watch comedy at home because I can't watch it with my wife because she'll go well why are they on TV you
2: know yeah. uh, you know just, yeah. you know.
1: she's kind of got my back yeah you know? <laughs> so, and yes, yeah, sometimes you watch stuff and you go, because I think the comedy is a live medium. Mm. And it's got to be something really special for it to transfer to work on video
2: yeah.
1: or on TV. I, because when you watch anything, you've got too many other distractions going on. You've got, you know, the, you know should we have a cup of tea? You know, or, or, you know all this business going on. The dog's going to fart, whatever, he needs to go out. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. Should I have a shower now? But, you know, whatever's going on in your life. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you're watching it live. When you're watching it absolutely live, then it's the best thing ever. Um, the most pain I've ever been in from laughter was watching Omid Julani. I saw him at a gig in in somewhere, oh, I can't remember the venue, but it was in in London, in a pub in London. And compere was awful. <laughs> he was just horrific. Um, I try to remember his name, but he's still gigging, this guy. And, and he was so bad. But knowingly bad. And people were trying to get him off, but he kept putting himself on before, because I mean, it was on. It was a packed out audience, yeah? Yeah. There was 200 old people crammed into this room. Oh. So everyone was there. So he was just holding court, right? Anyway, so eventually he got booed off, right? And he was like, it's my gig. I can fucking stay on as long as I fucking want. All this shit, right? Eventually everyone just fucking got rid of him and he left, yeah? yeah. Uh, the opening act came on and took him off. <laughs> <laughs> So you imagine a room that is just so like, what the fuck is going on? And Omid just came on and just went, oh, I'd like to, oh, that was his name, Phil. Yes, I'd like to thank Phil for really setting up the room for me. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> you know, just everybody, everybody just fucking roared with laughter. And all I can remember is he did a bit about the French thinking they're hard because they've bombed small Philippine islands.
0: Jesus, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> which i know you'd think but then but it was just about, about the french nuking a small pacific atoll you know yeah. and why is that that's not fun. what <laughs> me saying it to you now you're going huh? <laughs> seriously one of the funniest things i've ever just so funny i was in absolute pain <laughs> watching this it was just absolutely hilarious so yes it's changed me watching stuff yeah because I could I could watch some stuff and I think this would be better live. Yeah. I can understand why the audience are laughing so much at this, because in a in a crowd thing it's a completely different setup, you know? Yeah. But I can watch stuff and go, yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the that's the that's a diplomatic way of sort of going, why am I not on TV? It's not fair. <laughs>
0: Um, so talking about live audience there, Ben, um, hmm. how was your pandemic experience when comedy was closed for business?
1: Well, this is going to sound really awful, but the pandemic for me was really good. <laughs> um, I didn't do anything during the pandemic. Right. Um, I, Leading up to the pandemic, I was going to quit. Right. Um, just because the frustration of not getting anywhere. Um, I can, I can put a show together and I'm quite fingers crossed. You know, I can, I can put it in certain places and some people will come see me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'm, I'm blessed. That is wonderful but that can happen. You know, that I can do a show in a certain place. Some people come along and see me. Uh, that's really lovely, you know, and I, I I'm really happy that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that you have to get to a state every, you know, you've got dreams that you want to achieve. Yeah. And you have to reevaluate where you're going to go and, it got to me that it felt like a slog. I'm not going to lie. I've I've sent emails. I've sent stuff to agents. I've never had a reply back from an agent. I've I've not one, not even a no thank you. Actually, I tell a I've had one reply from one agent saying not for us. And that's great. Thank you for actually getting back to me. Yeah. But I've, that's the only reply in all the emails I've ever sent. Because you think well, if you get an agent, then you might they might get you somewhere. Hmm. Yeah mostly from my experience is that agents don't really do that (laughs) they're kind of admin people but they don't you know it depends what agent is you know how good they are yeah um and then i would send stuff off for gigs club gigs and send like what i've done and i I remember saying to one sending some stuff to one particular group of of clubs Mm -hmm. saying look this is what i've done I'm more than happy to come and do a middle slot. I'll even come and do a 10 minutes just so that you know that I can do this. Hmm. Um, and this is what I've done. And I got an email back saying, oh, but you've done all of this stuff. You're too experienced to do a middle. So I was like, oh, okay. I'll come and open or I'll close. You know, I'll do what you want. Well, yeah, we would, but no one really knows you. <laughs> you know, you haven't got you haven't got a big enough presence on Twitter. Right. And you're like.
0: Yeah. How do you win? Yeah. What's the
1: fuck? Like? Yeah. How do you win? And it gets to the stage where you're just like, well what is the point and you know just before the pandemic i was just like no i just don't see the point anymore mm. um i had a lovely job i found a day job i was working as a support worker mm-hmm. uh looking after people with learning difficulties and other disabilities mm-hmm. and absolutely adore it best job i've ever had in my life some of the most funniest loveliest people i've ever met um I remember one very quick example. One guy, just really quick, you know, looked after this one guy, total capacity, so he understands what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And um, he he would eat constantly, so you had to be very careful with him around food. And we took him shopping one day. And in the time it took me, from finishing strapping in his wheelchair to getting the next person in, he'd eaten four of the six Mars bars he bought. (laughs) I I said, how the hell did you treat them that quickly? It was like three minutes, right? And he just went, well, they're not as big as they used to be. <laughs> i just like, oh, isn't that just a lovely line, you know? Um, so I was enjoying that, and I was really enjoying that. I was loving that, and I felt really good, good connection with that. And so I just thought, pandemic, yeah, I could do a podcast, I could do something, mm. but really... What's the point? No one knows who I am. Who's going to tune in? Yeah. I know the feeling. (laughs) (laughs) However, this is where it all changes, my friend. Um, But you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, what is the perfect, what is the end goal to this? Um, So it took some time to go through that. And then going through that, uh, when everything was starting up again, I had a chance, uh, I've been very lucky that uh Sweet venues, uh, John David Henshaw, mm-hmm. uh who, who runs Sweet, uh basically sort of took me under his wing and said, Come and do a Christmas show. Uh, there's a slot we can do a Christmas show. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, so I'll put together the 12 films of Christmas. Yep. And and I did that in the in that you remember like when there was a period, I think it was we had a, like three weeks in December where it was okay before everything went shut down yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Oh, had a chance to do it then and um and i was just like oh, i really enjoy this because I'd, I'd had that break
2: yeah
1: um it was doing stuff i like because it was a show. i think 10 people came out if that because everyone was still very conscious about going anywhere sure, of course, yeah. and then we had an online audience as well mm-hmm. and um i just really enjoyed it and i just thought yeah yeah i'm quite good at this yeah <laughs> It's silly to stop. And so you just think, well, okay, maybe I'm not gonna do all those big things. Yeah. Maybe I'm not gonna get to do these shows. Would I be happy doing them anyway? I don't know. But what I am happy doing is doing a show. Mm-hmm. Um, people if they come, they've come to see you do that show.
2: Yes.
1: So yeah, why the hell wouldn't I do that? You know? And so I I I that's what I do now. I think, right put together a show, take it out for a little tour, never going to make any huge amount of money, um, never going to make any money, um, you know, but fuck it, you know, it's, it's everyone's going to have a hobby, and I like to think mine as a semi-professional hobby. Mm. There we go, that sounded good, didn't it? Yeah,
2: nice, I like that.
1: But however, I just want to clarify that if any agents are listening, I am very available to <laughs> do everything, everywhere. <laughs> also, voiceovers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, why not? Be in the next Pixar.
1: Well, I I did one voice. I, I, part of my managed retail shop. I worked for Pets at Home for a while, and uh, they said they wanted uh, genuine Pets at Home employees to do the voices and the voiceover for their radio campaign that they were doing and the TV campaign. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Oh, Aidan, you got to do that." And I went into so went up to Soho to this recording studio. Did um did the proper voiceover work. Pets at Home. <laughs> The police were, you know, <laughs> I've got the voice. I know what I can do. And uh, the, the people in the studio go, oh, you're brilliant. It's fantastic. And they had me do about 15 different thousand versions of it. the are getting to do all the stuff. And it was like, i And I thought, well, this is it. I'm going to have that. It's it's like I'll have that as a little kind of recording so I can maybe use that to get other voiceover work and maybe that will lead into something. Yeah. And then... Uh, the people at Pets at Home rejected it because apparently I didn't sound like I worked at Pets at Home. <laughs> and I, I think that sums up the problem. Maybe people assume that I have an agent and that I have a hugely successful comedy <laughs> life. Maybe they, they haven't bothered contacting me because they think oh, there's no point in contacting him. He's he's fiercely independent. No, no, <laughs> more than open to anything.
0: So thus far in your semi-professional career <laughs> what's been um sort of a, a crowning moment it could be like a turning point that, that changed your mind about something or just a, an instant when you thought yeah this is this is it for me
1: oh well there's been a few because okay. I've, I've kind of I've set myself little goals mm-hmm. and I've been realistic in those goals you've got the big dream you know yeah. which is doing comedy full-time and and you know wherever that be would that be tour? you know whatever it is whatever form that would take yeah um being known enough to be able to go and do shows somewhere yeah. where people go oh let's go and see what he's doing this year you know
2: yeah
1: um Daniel Kitson for example he's got a name and people go oh we, you know you don't see him anywhere else but you'll go and see his show yeah you know so little goals I had uh one big uh goal for me was to compare at um the comedia mm-hmm. in Brighton. Yep. Uh at Comic Boom, which is the night that Jill Edwards runs. So that was the night that you would go and see when you, you know, when you start up doing her course, you go and see her night. Yeah. And then you know, and Sean Mosh was was the compare when that started. Yeah. Um so I've compared that night. You know, that was a good night. Definitely. You know, that was like well actually doing doing it for the first time because it took me a couple of years to get on the bill just doing five minutes. Right. Walking out on the comedia stage and just sort of going, oh, <laughs> and then having 300 people just go, hello, back, You're like, whoa, where the fuck did you guys come from, you know? Uh, yeah, it's just weird, you know, you just don't think, you forget that interaction's going to happen, you know? Um, so doing that, comparing that with something, um, usually the the excitement, I mean, Edinburgh, you know, having, there's moments there's moments you yeah, have. I remember. I think it was my second year at Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I was doing. Um, I, was, I was. Someone asked me if I could compare it like an like uh, a gig, which is like random open people coming on doing spots. Right. And uh, it was in the counting house yeah. uh, main room, which is. Yeah. I don't know if you've been in. I think it's about hundred yeah. something like that. Like Seventeenth big room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was five people in there. Oh well. Wow. Right. And um, you know I was. There was a girl her boyfriend and this girl's younger sister right <laughs> and two other people and why I, I remember doing this i remember getting them all up on stage so they could all have their Edinburgh moment oh nice so i got the whole camera we took photos of the you know everyone took photos of them all together so yeah. they could say that they've been on stage in Edinburgh and you could see for them that was a wonderful moment you know that was amazing yeah and it's little things like that you know just little moments where you just you've touched someone's you know in a special like not in a physical way <laughs> <laughs> i clarify that yeah uh, but you know the, 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 the something like that um professionally wise uh, i think when i did turkey when I did you buy as well but did, did you buy twice mm-hmm. so that was pretty good yeah. um but I did the well obviously as you know in the show I talk about it, but uh Ramesh did get me on stage with him. Yep. At the Apollo. Um, so I suppose that was something.
0: <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh I mean uh, he did he did give it the big build up. He did make it sound like I was from the Make a Wish Foundation. Um <laughs> But but um but yeah, that was, that was, the, again, but when that happened, being on stage doing it, that was just, wow, you know, that was a, like a once in a lifetime experience. And it was weird because afterwards, not that I didn't love doing that and amazing, but you sort of think, well, what's next? And the problem with comedy is, is there's no end to it. There's, there's no end game because once you've achieved something, what's next? Yeah. I remember, um, I did a comedian, really, really good one-liner comedian called Mark Simmons. Yeah, you seen him? Yep. Well, I saw it just after he'd done Mock the Week. He was on at uh, at Mm comedian, and uh, I said, "Oh, mate, well done! Congratulations doing Mock the Week!" And he went, "Oh, thanks." I said, "But what am I going to do now? You know, now everything else he does is compared to that. So now he's got to go and do it again." Yeah. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's just never any. There's no what where when are you a comedian when are you considered to be successful now in terms of myself that's something i thought with a balance of working it out in terms of people who come see me in edinburgh they go well he is successful he does edinburgh you know uh people pay to go i've paid to come and see you yeah so you sort of mean and that's a big thing that's a wonderful thing that people do that but so it's only comedians are just we're our own worst enemy really (laughs) We could start a fight with ourselves in a room on our own.
0: <laughs> I like that a lot. So, um, I mean, we've touched on it. Your your new show, Tenacious. Where is it on? What time is it on? What's it
1: all about? Right. Well, it is about basically about not quitting. Um, it's about sort of you know not giving up on 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 the dream. Yeah. You know? um, and it's also about the fact that uh, I've you know, obviously I've mentioned him already, but the fact. Ramesh and I pretty much started together. His, I think his his second gig was like my ninth, yeah. and um, we used to go out and gig together, drive up to London because he was in Crawley, I was in Brighton, um, and I remember, I remember coming back in the early days. We 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 did a gig where one of the one of the professional comedians mentioned how much they got paid for a twenty Mm. because no one tells you Mm. at first how much it is you know unless you just don't know how much they get paid for you know no one knows yeah Yeah. it's never changed it's still the same amount of money it's just ridiculous (laughs) and I remember driving back we discovered this and we were in silence driving back and he probably did the maths quicker than me because he was a maths teacher (laughs) and I went we can't afford to do this yeah because we were both working he was a teacher I was working in retail at the time Mm -hmm. and he's like yeah we can't afford to do this this is why are we bothering to do this (laughs) And it always just cracks me up. There's me drunk with Ramesh. Do you know what I mean? He's now down to his last seven television shows. So mm-hmm. so we did touch upon that. And, yeah, so it's about some of the stuff that I've gone through trying to achieve whatever the hell it is I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. And um, just getting to the point where I am now. Um, and then just with sort of stories that are relatable to that, but true stories. Yeah. Yeah um i i really love telling a true story and people you've made some of that up and and I absolutely have not it's literally presenting it in a obviously at the time something happens it's quite traumatic, yeah, but you know maybe the next day or a week after or something after yeah um do you remember the optician story
0: don't put me on the spot <laughs> yeah I don't... no I don't, I don't i don't expect
1: you because you watch so i don't expect you to remember everything yeah, one
0: eh? of my one of the great joys if i can call it that is that i remember how the shows make me feel but i don't remember any of the the stories wow. themselves no. and that way i can go and watch it again
1: <laughs> awesome okay well i don't to, i don't want to tell the story because i'm hoping we're going to see it in the show yeah um but the optician story when when something happened to me when i went to get some new glasses and literally word for word as it was happening as soon as it finished i just went that's that's five seven minutes of stuff yeah. <laughs> just about just telling people what happened
2: yeah
1: um and you 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 just you know the, you just change like the, the 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 but i didn't even have to change anything I'm so changing the circumstances anything
2: yeah.
1: um so I, I just love telling true stories and and just emphasizing that because I think that really grounds it. Because yeah. um, you're trying to think what what's my IP? What can I make it that's different from everybody else? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 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 white, middle aged, heterosexual. I don't have anything wrong with me. I don't have anything right with me. I'm just me, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got nothing that makes me different from five million other white guys. Yeah um yeah what is special about me nothing right so all i can do is tell stories that are about me yeah Uh, does does that make sense yeah Yeah. um because you know people use they they come up with something that they can you know from themselves and that's brilliant because we need stories from those points of view yeah Mm -hmm. and you could argue we've had enough uh, yeah. white middle-aged guys uh, straight guys <laughs> telling us about their lives um, and that's fine you know that's okay uh, it's good that there's more choice there really is yeah. do you know what I mean uh, because quite frankly I'd rather listen to the stuff that's got more choice <laughs> than listen to the white guy you know <laughs> it's done you know Yeah. so the only thing that I can think of doing is just telling true stories mm-hmm. uh, and maybe you know and they're nice yeah, I, I I I want people to come to see my show, and they'll go away going that was nice. And I think nice is a great word. Yeah, I think it's a difficult thing to achieve a feeling of niceness. Um, you can walk away from one of my shows going I love that. That made me laugh. That was really lovely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, to me, that no one could give me a higher compliment than just go, that was nice and lovely. Yeah. Going. You know mean? For sure. Uh, that and also potentially book me on radio 4. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so where and when can we see
1: you i'm on at zoo venues um and in the high school version of, it's called high school's playground it's in a school yeah um zoo venues uh and i am from the fifth to the 28th and i'm at 7 p.m and i'm extraordinarily good value for money
0: <laughs> i would agree with that for sure <laughs>
1: thank you sir
0: so finally then could you ain't Goatley, please summarize comedy
1: in a nutshell um very recently and i don't know whether he's been misquoted or not but on the press rowan atkinson has said that uh comedy's job is to offend and okay you could argue that maybe multi-millionaire rowan atkinson might have a point of view that's relevant (laughs) however um i think that's wrong i think i think comedy's job is to entertain yeah uh and if you are entertained by, uh, offensiveness stuff, then that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your bag.
2: Yeah.
1: If you are entertained by nice stuff, that's fine too. Uh, there's markets for everybody. Yeah. But to me, comedy is about having a lovely evening out, sharing some lovely jokes, having a good time. And that's it. That's all it needs to be. It Doesn't need to be anything more than that. It doesn't need to be preaching. It doesn't need to be the savior of oh, people telling it like it is. Yeah and all that fucking shit I know I try and be nice but I'll fucking rant about those cunts every day um, sorry <laughs> actually don't fuck it. fuck it let's have a fight yeah
0: why not <laughs> thank you so much Aiden. it's been absolute delight to talk to you again and I'm so grateful thank for you coming on the episode
1: thank you no I absolutely loved it um, it was very nice thank you very much for having me it was absolutely lovely